Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. The Bible says, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter in, enter therein rather. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. As we continue our study on Sunday mornings in the Gospel of Mark, we come to a very important, a very uh, pertinent passage of Scripture. Um, in this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking, he's dealing with the importance of reaching children for Christ. I've titled our time together, Making Sure Our, kid, our Kids Know Jesus. Making sure that our kids know Jesus. I am thrilled that we were able to open up again Canaan Kids, children's ministry. And by doing this, we're able to do some other things and, and looking to get our vans going, bringing some kids back in to children's church, having some structure to bring some young people to. And so I'm absolutely thrilled about that. In this passage of Scripture, uh, it's teaching us how Jesus feels about the evangelizing of children. Sometimes we may not often think about that. God thinks about it, and God has something to say about it. As I mentioned just a moment ago, we started again some ministries to our children. We started this morning Sunday school classes, specifically geared for the junior age children, boys and girls classes, separate boys and girls. I think that Maybe the girls had one in there this morning, had four in there this morning. Well, praise the Lord, we thought there'd be one. That one that we thought would be in there, we knew she could handle all the boys. But, but uh, she was ill, so the whole family was ill this morning. So they had four in that class. That's tremendous. The boys' class upstairs, the young junior boys' class. How many did you have up there, Philip? Had six up there. Praise the Lord for that. First time in a long time we've had uh, these age-specific classes. And I'm absolutely thrilled about that. Uh, there's a nursery that's provided for our children. Appreciate Miss Stephanie and the, the effort that she and as well as others. And by the way, as I was looking on the back of the bulletin this morning, I saw that her name was mentioned probably too much as being in there every week. And, and she could use an extra hand and some help in there and helping care for these young children. And by the time we get to the end of the message today, I think you'll agree that this is a worthy task to be a part of. And I appreciate that. And a lot of our kids are out this morning due to different sorts of, uh, of bugs and things and, and illnesses. And so we're letting them heal and get back strengthened again, and they'll be back with us. But I'm absolutely thrilled about the opportunities we have for our kids. Uh, today we, again, mentioned we kicked off our children's church that takes place during the children's hour. There's a three- and four-year-old class for children. Um, that takes place during this, the church service hour. Um, there is a 
class for five to seven-year-olds, and or five, six, and seven-year-olds. Miss Penny uh, takes care of that. As well as Miss Liz. Miss Liz is around here somewhere. Uh, she may be up there helping with the children's church. There she is. Miss Liz, you're too quiet. You need to raise your hand and let make sure everybody sees you. I appreciate you helping them, uh, helping Miss Penny. It's the five and six and seven-year-olds in the Sunday morning, Sunday school hour. Wednesday nights, there's master clubs. We will conclude our master clubs for this year on the 16th. We'll have a, uh, that'll be a Wednesday night. We'll have a time of presenting of badges and things on that Wednesday evening. And uh, Brother Rector will share a little bit from the Word of God that evening. It's always a blessed time to see these kids come in and, and to have their badges, to have their vests and their shirts and, and, and banners. And they're just filled with these badges that they've earned for memory, Scripture memory, and, and doing things, and helping mom and dad, but learning to love Jesus and learning to obey the Lord. It's always a wonderful time. And so we have master clubs. There's a class specially designed and geared towards teenagers. I appreciate Brother Andrew and his effort and emphasis for our teenagers in the teaching on Sunday morning and Sunday school as well as on Wednesdays. Uh, currently, there are vans and we're bringing some kids in and, and we're looking now to be able to get these things established so we can go out in the community. And as we did once before, uh, before COVID hit, I think we were probably bringing in more young people on our vans than we had in years. And so we're looking to regain that and bring these kids in. We just don't want to bring them in and turn them loose in the building. We want to bring them in and turn them loose in a Sunday school class in a place where they can hear the Bible and be encouraged and be taught some things that they'll not get outside of anywhere else but this building. Um, if we don't go get them, they won't come. And so I'm looking forward to that. A large number of kids that are in our church. I, I think our church is populated with more children today than, than it has been in quite a number of years. And praise the Lord for that. There are at least eight more on the way. Now, before you start wondering who they all are, four of them are on their way from Phoenix, Arizona. Four little boys will be coming with the McElroys. Now, as for the other four, they're going to be brought by their mothers as soon as they're born, or soon after that, which all of them are due very, very soon. Hear me say this when I say that every and any ministry that's directed to children is a thousand, thousand times worth the investment. Worth the investment. And listen, I think as a church, we better be good stewards with the children that God has placed in our midst. We better be good stewards with what God has given us. If the church is not directly involved in reaching this generation of children for Christ... There may not be another generation that ever comes to know Christ. You see, it's incumbent upon us. It's our responsibility to reach our generation so that this generation, this younger generation that we have the opportunity to reach now so that they can turn right around and teach their generation and their kids and their grandkids. It's so sad to say that we already see that so many don't know anything about the Lord. Even in a place like Chattanooga, Tennessee, the buckle, if you will, of the Bible Belt. 
churches, it seems like, on every corner. But so many young people have no idea what it is to know Jesus Christ. Not in church. Uh, don't frequent uh, the places where they could be taught the Word of God. And it's important that we do this. God's given us this task. Let me say that the church, by and large, I'm fearful that we're losing our kids. We're losing the battle for our children. Today's culture is anti-family. It's, it's anti-family. This LGBT movement has tried to define the family in every way but the way in which the Bible defines the family. They've tried to define the family as a male and a female, or male and a male and a female and a female. And then they seek or they want to put a child in that mix and call it a family. Biblically speaking, scientifically speaking, and just good old common sense knows that a male and a female or a, or excuse me, a male and a male or a female and a female cannot reproduce children. It takes a male and a female for the reproduction of children. When God made the family, He brought together an Adam and an Eve. Not a Mary and a Mary. Not a John and a John. God designed it as a male and a female. God designed it. That was God's intention. And let me say, God hadn't changed His idea on the matter. God hadn't changed what he designed in this regard. Someone will argue that two homosexuals living together can adopt a child and then will be a family. No, no, that's not true at all. It'll still not be a family. First of all, the Bible says homosexuality is an abomination to God. Secondly, that adopted child... Still got into this world through conception between a male and a female. The laws of the Lord, or the laws of our land, may recognize this as a so-called family and call it a family. But God's law does not recognize it and it does not exist. Biblically. Scientifically. If two sodomites want to cohabitate together and ruin their lives, that's bad enough. But don't dare bring an innocent child into that wickedness and ruin the life of that child also. One day at the great white throne judgment, when every unsaved, rebellious unbeliever stands before God and gives an account of their lives, there will be a condemnation for the sin of homosexuality. But I believe there will be an even greater, a more severe, a more harsh condemnation to those who brought children up knowing that kind of lifestyle, engaged in that kind of lifestyle. They may choose to rebel against God But they ought not dare to include children in their rebellion. That's not a family. No matter what the laws of the land says. Today, there are multitudes of children who are being brainwashed. 
My point is it's anti-family. There are multitudes of children being brainwashed so badly that a child is more distraught about his gender than learning to read or write or do arithmetic. People are saying today, well, we're not even naming our children because uh, we want them to choose uh, their gender. So we'll give them names a little bit down the road once they tell us what they think. I just did a, just a very quick search with regards to gender. This is what came up at the top of the list. Gender identity. This was produced in a site called Teen Talk. Right at the top of the list. It's called gender, gender identity. Gender identity is how a person feels and who they know themselves to be when it comes to their gender. There are more than two genders. Even though our society, in our society, the genders are most recognized as male and female. Called the gender binary. And usually is based on someone's anatomy. This is gender assignment. However, gender isn't about someone's anatomy. It's about who they know themselves to be. There are many different gender identities, including male, female, transgender, gender neutral, non-binary, agender, pangender, gender queer, two-spirit third gender, and all none and all or none of the all combination of these. There are many more gender identities than we've listed. Gender can be complex, and people are defining themselves in new and different ways as we gain a deeper understanding of identities. This is mainstream culture today. This is what's being taught in our public school systems. When it comes to things like this, let God be true and every man be a liar. If a man, whatever he says, if it goes against God, mark it down. He's a liar because God's true every single time. Mark it down. Our children are being brainwashed with this sort of thing. We now have a generation of children who have lost their innocency. This world's a mess. And we're no longer simply on a slippery slope downward. Uh, This world is on a roller coaster ride heading downward into an abyss at 100 miles an hour. When the popular and politically correct thing to say today is, and what we hear often is, save our children. Save our children. And the political parties talk about saving our children. We say these kinds of things. We talk this kind of way. Yet abortion clinics and federally funded Planned Parenthood kills thousands of children each month in America alone. Save our children, they claim. They say save our children while they sacrifice them to the gods of perversion and immorality. You don't save your children by throwing them to the wolves of carnality and licentiousness. 
You don't save your children in Sodom. You save your children by allowing them to live in, in, in a place and to, by bringing them to Jesus Christ. That's how we save our children. We save them by teaching the Bible. Instilling the Word of God into their little hearts and their little lives. What we find out in these verses that we read this morning is how much Jesus cares about saving our children. What Jesus says about loving children. We sing oftentimes, kids do, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. They sing also, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. This is not a simple little Nursery rhyme, this is solid Bible truth. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. I want us to see out of this text this morning how much Jesus loves his children. As we look at it this morning, out of these verses, I want to break it down into four areas. I want us to see the responsibility, the rebuke, the response And the requirement. Notice with me first of all. The responsibility. I believe and I will call this the responsibility of the parent. Look at verse number 13. And they brought young children to him. That he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Notice the phrase. They brought young children to him. Matthew says. And Matthew's account says they brought little children. Luke's account says they brought unto him infants. There's no contradiction here at all. Just the various ways of saying these were little children. Infancy. Two, three, four, five year olds. Up to the teenage years possibly and even beyond that. I want us to notice the phrase out of verse number 13. The very part of the phrase, the very first few words. And they brought. And they brought. They brought infants and children. You understand that infants and children don't get place to place on their own. They don't get from place to place on their own. They have to be carried. They have to be brought. Someone has to take the time, the initiative to pick them up and bring them, to carry them. Notice they brought them. Here in our text, we see that they brought them to Jesus. Here's the point. As a parent, you have a responsibility to bring your children to Jesus. You have a responsibility to bring your children to Jesus. You cannot save them. God didn't intend for you to save them. God does all the saving work. But it's your responsibility to make sure that they're regularly in a place where they can be saved. We have the term soccer moms today. Moms who are carrying their kids to every sport practice and every entertainment venue possible. There may be not necessarily anything 
wrong with being a soccer mom, but I believe it's wrong and even sinful when there are no church moms and dads. When we're not bringing them to the house of God. We're not bringing them to Sunday school. We're not bringing them to church. There's responsibility that God has placed upon the parent. It was not uncommon in that day for the parents of that day to bring their children to the synagogue so that the rabbis could and would bless them and pronounce a blessing upon them. There was... Great respect and admiration for Jesus. We've been through Mark's gospel and we see all they did. Everywhere that Jesus went, there are crowds that went with him. Great respect and admiration for Jesus. And so for these parents to, to, to naturally want to bring their children into the presence of Jesus. Why did they bring them? It says in the text, so that he might touch them. Matthew says, so that he might pray for them. These parents were seeking God's blessings upon their children. It's the responsibility of every parent to carry their children. Not the responsibility to carry them all over creation. So as to keep them busy. Keep them out of trouble maybe. But to carry them to church as soon as possible after birth. And every single time the church doors are open as much as possible until they leave our homes. The responsibility that God's given parents. The ballpark won't teach your children how to come to know Jesus. Nothing necessarily wrong with chasing a ball. But that's not the main thing. Bring them to Jesus so that they might come to know Him as soon as possible as their personal Lord and Savior. Bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. There's a responsibility. Parents, God gave us, God gave you those babies so that you might be the main role, play the main role in seeing that they come to know Jesus. I think it's good to have baby dedication Sundays. Good to have baby dedication Sundays. When a mom and daddy comes forward and, 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 and they dedicate. And, and really, they're not dedicating the baby. They're dedicating themselves. It says, look church, I'm going to raise my family. And I'm going to raise these children in the house of God. So that they may know God. So they may understand the truths of His word. I'm dedicating myself. Because there's a responsibility that God has laid upon me. Be dedicated to raise children to know the Lord. If you're teaching a a children's class, be dedicated. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Can I say that there's more needed? There are more needed. Be dedicated to raise children to know the Lord. Don't excel at teaching them to hit a ball more than helping them to have Jesus in their heart and in their minds. Excel at that. There's a responsibility of the parent. We see out of the very first part of verse number 13. Out of the second part of verse number 13. Notice the rebuke of the disciples. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them 
And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. The rebuke of the disciples. These disciples thought it was a waste of time to bring these kids to Jesus. Jesus didn't have time to mess with these kids. Jesus doesn't have time for all the interruptions. They keep bringing them. Stop this. Jesus didn't have time for all this. Here these disciples were actually doing and I'll say it this this way, they were actually doing the work of Satan in trying to keep them away from Jesus. Actually doing the work of Satan in trying to keep these children from coming to Jesus. Now I'm not saying that they were yoked up with Satan, that they intentionally planned to do this. But they sure, in their ignorance, I'm sure in their ignorance... They were being used by Satan to keep these kids from the Lord. Listen, don't dare be used of Satan to allow some lame excuse for you to be the one that keeps your children out of Sunday school, out of church, out of Sunday night service, out of Wednesday night services. Don't be the one. That'll use some lame excuse to keep your children out of church. And grandma and grandpa, if it's in your ability, those children are in some care of yours. Do all that you can to get them under the preaching of the word of God. Do all that you can to get them in church. Keep them in church. Go get them and bring them. Don't let it be said that you were the one that kept your children away. Oh, I... See so many parents out here today that will not bring their children to the house of God. That won't even bring them and drop them off in the parking lot. You go by and knock on the door and says, can we pick up your kids and bring them to church on Sunday? We'll bring a van by so that they can get on. We'll take care of them. They'll come to church. We'll make sure they get home. Will you let them come? Mom and dad says, no. No. We won't do that. Blows my mind. I believe there's a greater condemnation to this. Or we just go through life and we we come to the position and we say, No, we won't go to church today. I've been too busy all week. You don't understand. I worked 80 hours this week. I'm too tired. This is the only day that we have off as a family. We can't come to church today. Or whatever the the, the excuse is. Don't be the opposition Is what I'm trying to say. Don't be the opposition. The rebuke of the disciples. We see the responsibility of the parents. The rebuke of the the disciples. Notice the response from Jesus. Out of verse number 14. And when Jesus saw it. He was much displeased. And said to them. Suffer the little children to come unto me. And forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. The response from Jesus. Notice the text says he was much displeased. Much displeased. The same word is translated four other times in our King James Bibles as indignation. Indignation. Webster says indignation this way and defines it this way as angry, disgusted, abhorrence. Jesus was displeased because these disciples were looking to stand in the way of these young children coming to him. 
You want to have God's wrath kindled against you? Ignore your responsibility. Stand in the way of your children or anyone else's children coming to Jesus. Uh, Look with me at Matthew chapter number 18 and verse number 6. Matthew 18 and verse number 6. Let's go back and read verses 3 through 6 for context purposes. Jesus, verse 2, And Jesus caught a little child in him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whosoever shall offend, the idea is to oppose, to stand in the way, offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he was drowned in the depth of the sea. I believe God gets angry when we don't bring our children to know the Lord. I believe it angers God. Be a facilitator. Be a facilitator of your children coming to Jesus. Your grandchildren. Be the facilitator. He had indignation toward his disciples. But notice, while he had the indignation toward the disciples, he had the invitation to the children. Suffer them. Allow them to come unto me. Forbid them not, he says, for such is the kingdom of God. Heaven is a place where children are wanted and welcome. Oh, for a young person to come to know Jesus at a young age. And to have their entire life ahead of them to do something for God. To live their life for the Lord. Heaven is a place where children are welcome and wanted. Nearly one million aborted babies in the U.S. every year. And every single one of these children are in heaven. Don't you think God's wrath is a little kindled about that matter? I believe that it is. Don't be in the way. The response from Jesus, bring them, suffer them to come, allow them to come, forbid them not. Do all that you can to get them into my presence. Then we see lastly, the requirement for all in verse number 15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Verse 16, and he took them up in his arms. Put his hands upon them and bless them. Anytime in your Bibles, notice verse 15. Anytime in your Bibles you see the word verily. Anytime you see the word verily. And anytime you do any Bible study. When you see that word, you better take note of what comes after that. Anytime Jesus says verily, he's saying, take note. Listen up. Set up straight and hear what I have to say. Verily. See what God's saying. The word verily is you better listen up to what follows. He says, whosoever. Verily I say unto you, whosoever. Here's the requirement for all. 
He's now turned his attention from the child and he's looking out over the crowds and he's saying, the whosoevers, the whosoever, the requirement for all, shall not receive the kingdom of God unless you receive it as a little child. In Jesus, he takes this little child up into his arms and this tells us that the children are small. But he takes them up into his arms and he blesses them. And this is a, an illustration, a very poignant illustration that Jesus will take anybody that will come in childlike faith and receive him and him alone and take him at his word and be born again by faith. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the things figured out. I don't have to be a theologian. I just simply got to come by faith and trust Jesus. Uh, These children had done nothing. They could do nothing to merit their salvation. All they could do was receive. Yet the world teaches and Modern day Christianity teaches we must do something to merit God's favor. He says, come as a little child. If you want to be blessed, if you want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, this is the way you'll have to come. The requirement for all is childlike faith. The responsibility of the parent, the rebuke of the disciples... Response from Jesus, suffer them not. The requirement for all. Are you saved today? Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Come in childlike faith, understanding that He died on the cross for your sins. Trust in the finished work of Calvary. The death, the burial, and the resurrection, and the soon coming again. If you're going to get saved, you're going to have to get saved in this life. There will not be a, a, a purgatory. There will not be a second chance. God's given you today. Today that you might know Him. If you're a mom and your daddy this morning. If you're a parent, grandparent. Ah, oh, don't be in the way. Ah, oh, don't be in the way. Be a facilitator. Be part of the way. Say, I'm going to do everything I can to get my children. My grandchildren. And by the way, how about those children in the neighborhood too? Next time our church, Lakewood Baptist Church, we say, boy, we could use some help in the nursery. We could use some help in the children's church. Just need two extra hands. Somebody to be on deck and on call. We could use some help. So I'll be that help. I'll be the one. I want part of that fruit. I'll labor in that field so that we might raise the next generation for the cause of Christ. Does God love the little children? Amen and amen and amen again. Yes, He does. And let's make sure that we do as well and do all that we can to see them to come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's bow our hearts in prayer.